Hello, hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of... Meet the Screen of the Ultra Critics. <laughs> and Thad's already jumping into the tone of the episode. <laughs> yeah, Thad, Thad's bringing vibes. Uh, we're, just gonna, we're not going to really have a talk about like uh, any specific movie today. We're just going to talk about the general state of movies. And because we are, whether we like to admit it or not, still in the middle of a pandemic. I mean... I'm uh, right now. I'm living in the the dark, uh, horrible pit of still not having seen the sequel to Venom. Right, is, uh, the only movie that I really care to see at the moment, and it is being kept from me because uh, I don't trust people in Illinois to to Mm-mm. fucking be safe in a theater. Well, so this brings uh, a question that I wanted to ask. We talked a little bit about offline, but um, mm-hmm. someone brought up a point that, like, for most of the country. It's been operating like there wasn't a pandemic for almost a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, within, like, you know, there's masks and stuff, depending on where you go. But, yeah. yeah, Like, the notion of, like, large crowd gatherings and stuff like that outside of a couple of months. Mm. It's been basically, because most movie theaters were still open, except in the big cities. Downstate Illinois is a strange beast, um, because Downstate Illinois is very rural, and it has very like rural people. It has a lot of um, very deep religious culture here. And so it can be sort of what more people think of as almost Southern in this country. And then you have all of the decisions are made with Chicago in mind. So it can cause some like really sort of weird disconnection between like what is happening legally and what the culture says. And also so culturally, yeah. we did not take it very seriously, but also our town has several very large national companies like fortune 50 companies and they took it super seriously plus the universities you had to do that plus the universities through a lot of the areas here like there's a lot of like decent sized schools in central illinois in any of the like major towns okay well because i'm it's basically it requires you to make a sort of risk calculus as that and you basically imply like you're not willing to try like to do to brave the movie theater simply because you're not sure how seriously the other person is taking it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and as someone who works at a movie theater i can tell you right now if you're going to a movie theater the chances are not not that serious in the sense that depending on how like in la most people like vaccinating vaccination wise were pretty good so it's safer here than probably in most places. Yeah. But even then, like the amount of people who interpret wear a mask unless you are enjoying food and beverage to mean I don't have to wear the mask at all. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's taken as though it's taken as though the food and beverage is a talisman that confers upon you whether you are currently eating or drinking the ability to not wear a mask. Right. The amount of people who go in with the mask and come out magically not wearing a mask. <laughs> Yeah, but now uh, that we make sure they're vaccinated, that <laughs> less of an issue. Yeah, but I still have to stop people. Like, do you have a mask? Yeah, okay. Can you put it on then? <laughs> it's not. It's like when I have a people vaccine, I go, yeah. I'm like, can I see it? I'm not just asking out of conversation. Uh, I'm not just curious. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm not just shooting the breeze. Like, you ever been to Australia? Like, <laughs> yeah. this is a different kind of question, my friends. <laughs> Do you have a yeah. method of payment? Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. It's just from like a personal perspective, like there are movies that like I'm not a, I'm not always a, like, ooh, you have to see this in theaters kind of guy. But there's a couple of movies I would have liked to have seen in theaters. Like right. it, was, it was it was one where I was I was definitely like choosing not to go to a theater. Uh, the Green Knight springs to mind as a yeah. movie that I would have yeah. liked to have seen in theaters. Oh, um, it's- it's I mean, super people keep weird. talking about Dune, uh, yep. which I mean, seems like it probably like I, I, I like a Denny V movie. Like he, he's someone who generally makes movies that I feel are worth seeing on a. Big I think you'd like but, Dune. I mean, maybe I. It's it's a it's a chunk of science fiction that I have had very little interaction with, aside from uh, I mean, I, I've seen the David Lynch movie, and yeah, it's I, not as weird as that, unfortunately, but it's cool. Yeah. And uh, and I saw the uh, the Sci-Fi Channel miniseries while I had the worst fever I had ever had in my like <laughs> teens or whenever that came out. So right. I, I I also remember it being very bizarre, but probably not uh, for reasons that reflect reality. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I, I would have liked you know I, I like 
I like a Denny movie, but no, no Dune for me because uh, society doesn't uh, care about you know material realities of uh, viruses. It's fine. Whatever. Well, I think it's kind of weird for me is I have never missed a Marvel movie in theaters before now. Really? And yeah, this is going back to 2008. Now, I mean, I just said never missed a Marvel movie. I've never missed a Marvel movie in the first week it came out. Really? There are a few I haven't caught opening weekend or a few that for various reasons I had to catch later in the week, but I have never missed one. Yeah, and she, she's even more of a fangirl than I am in this particular way. Yeah, I had no idea. I well, I just I, I I adore movies and I adore superhero movies. And as I've gotten like as things have happened, I've gotten kind of burnt out on the genre. I mean, it's not like it was anymore with like the 2001 Spider-Man movie or two, I guess it came out 2002 technically um, where like I couldn't sleep for like two weeks before it came out. And when my right. parents told me they wouldn't let me go to the midnight showing, I cried like <laughs> because I'm an adult and I can do whatever I want. Um, right. But like <laughs> the true I, I gene, the true joy of being an adult is the realization of I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, and it's it's similar to how I was with Harry Potter books, where with every Harry Potter book I bought it and read it within twenty four hours of it coming out, cover right. to cover. Even if I had to work for eight hours the next day, I didn't care. Um, so but now like that's been broken, and I don't haven't seen any of the Marvel movies that came out, and I'm wondering if this might be the camel that breaks Marvel's back. It doesn't necessarily cause like the movies to stop being made or even stop making money or a lot of money but the people like me who are like oh this is the thing that i do because it's the thing that i do like that cycle has been broken well it's been broken and it was broken in a way that like for so long that it was broken it wasn't Mm -hmm. just two or three months it's been like almost two years now yeah and i have noticed the the chatter about marvel movies isn't as pervasive as it used to be Mm. and the yeah. and movies already were like not in theaters as long as they used to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. but now it feels like because it used to be like after the first three or four weeks, the movie was like it would still be in theaters, but we weren't expecting anyone to come to it. Yeah, but now, like I kid you not, even with Marvel movies, after the second week, we're not really expecting numbers. That's wow. That is simply uh, because I mean, it's not surprising, but just his like thinking of the trajectory of that is when not only that, but also I understand like even movies, uh, my AMC, like they're cutting prices during the day mm. by like 20 or 30 percent, but it's still like to buy something at concessions. Like it is not unusual to see someone with like a hundred dollar tab, and mm. that's not like any alcohol, that's just basic food. All combos aren't really combos. So a lot, we have a large popcorn and a large drink. That's not a combo. It's not. It's a, you don't com- get a deal. You just get both things. Right. And there's no discount. And the amount of people who like, it didn't even dawn on me because it's been a long time since I've been to an AMC. Hmm. But I saw that like, wait, why do we call these combos? There's no discount. It's just that's how much a large so, popcorn and a no large law. <laughs> it's it's just a linguistic thing. We generally believe that if you say it's a combo, uh, you get a deal. The amount of though, though, like maybe one person a day is like, wait a minute, wait. <laughs> that's just the same. Like, yep, there's no discount. But I just work here. I'm not in charge of anything. Do you want it or not? <laughs> that is that is just vicious. Wow. But going back to what Kara says, like. Marvel had instigated a pattern mm. and, and manipulated that pattern really well. And I think both the pandemic and the fact that now Marvel's in an area where they thought it was a safe space to start experimenting. Yeah. And they had all, all these things in motion before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And now they have no choice but to continue on with it. And the Eternals wasn't a flop. It still made a lot of money. It was a critical flop. Hmm. But it's one of the things where, like, it is. I'm actually more fascinated by Marvel now because it's in this weird area where it doesn't seem to know what it wants to do. Yeah, it seems that. Well, it's also yeah, because like this happened right at the end of their their sort of era of everybody knowing what they're doing. Right. Like, like you got to Avengers Endgame, and then suddenly, like the 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 field is kind of clear. And it definitely seems like on the TV side, they have a much clearer idea of what they're doing than they do on the movie side. Right. Well, also, like, coming off Endgame, and especially coming off Spider-Man Homecoming, which was post... I think Spider-Man Homecoming is the first post-Endgame movie that I have seen. 
Yes. Or the uh, not, only not one. Home, not Homecoming. Uh, Far From Home, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I left that movie actually, like, angry. Like, oh. viscerally angry. And the reason I left it is I saw nothing that I cared about, nothing I was interested in, nothing that was intriguing, nothing that forwarded the storyline that was there. I, I didn't care. And I was kind of mad that I had to sit through the same rehash of everything is Tony's fault. Somehow Tony's still the center of the world. <laughs> everything revolves around him. God, Nobody so reacts true. to the massive cata- catastrophic event that they've been through in any meaningful way. Which, given that I've now been yeah. through one and seen how people react, is actually a lot more realistic than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> but, true. Um, yeah, God. like like my my hatred for a lot of like apocalyptic movies has really adjusted in the past well, year and a half. But it's, it's one of those things no, where... But like, at... I, I walked out of that movie because they didn't give a shit about any of the things that they had sucked 10 to 15 years of my life away in making <laughs> didn't mean a goddamn thing. And I was well, angry. And so it's really hard for me to justify paying to see a movie at my house when it still is not going to give me any of the things I care about. Right. Although I'm, I'm still in it for Doctor Strange, though. The next Doctor I mean, Strange that, movie is going to get my money. Well, yeah, because the same movie. Yeah. Yeah. But that that Spider-Man movie, like it, it has like at the time, since we didn't know it was coming in reality, uh, like it's it's very reflective of the worst impulses of like comic book universe storytelling, like post a major event. Things are, are supposed like huge, major, important things have supposedly happened, but like status quo gravity kicks in and like the world can't fundamentally change because they want it to be like superheroes but in a recognizable modern world and so just everything slips kind of quietly back into place well what's it and it's uh yeah very silly what's interesting about far from home i did though Hmm? yeah because i like jake gyllenhaal yeah i like that movie quite a bit i did not i like for me that movie is like a schism because i like tom holland zendaya And the guy mm-hmm. who plays his friend, whose name I'm blanking on, Ned, who plays Ned, yeah, yeah. I like all the stuff dealing with them cast. as human beings. Yes, but when all the like the superhero stuff started, it's like I care less about this. It's fine. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. But I, I really well, the thing that I mean, I agree with all of that. And on top of that, I though it's tedious that it's tied to Tony again. I like the way that they constructed Mysterio. Like yeah. I, conceptually, I enjoy that. And Gyllenhaal is just a, a person that I find entertaining. It's a thing where like, con- like objectively I see what they're doing and I, I get it. I but just yeah, it really just wanted to-, to see MJ and Peter get together. <laughs> yeah. It adds up to nothing substantial though. But- I wasn't I, like, yeah, Kara, Kara was justifiably angry. I, I did the thing that I always do with a middling comic book movie and <laughs> that I find the parts that I find interesting to mull over and sort of just brush the rest aside. And but also yeah. like, I really I, like I the visual stuff they did, but even mm-hmm. then that was just them taking comic book pages. Yeah. I did not like the end where it's like, oh, there's going to be another big change. Here's a teaser. Are you excited? No, I'm not excited. Yeah. Because you've been tickling my balls for 10, 15 years now. And you know what? They tickled out. Well, because also, Kara, what is the the plot of the next Spider-Man movie? Undoing the major change, the major shocking change from the end of the previous movie. Honestly, I'm not even mad about that. I'm just mad that it feels like an uh, Into the Spider-Verse ripoff. A little bit, yeah. It definitely. does. Uh, I'm actually at... slightly more excited about this one, about oh, the Spider-Man movie. Because of Doc Ock? Because no. of Doc Ock, and because it's mainly because I feel like they're going to be doing something. Like, like I used to tell my students when I grade their paper, I'm like, if you can't make it good, at least make it interesting. Right. Uh, and it feels I... like it might be interesting. See, I I have no faith. I, I actually, I, I'm almost the in the opposite position of care. I have very little faith that the next Spider-Man movie will be worthwhile. Um, I, I, I'm not sold on whether or not it will be good because let me be clear that like, um, far from home was not a bad movie. Hmm. It just angered me because of a lot of other things that I did not want from that movie, which may make me an angry neckbeard nerd. I am not sure. (laughs) Well, no, no. Uh, What what you're experiencing is kind of what critics have been talking about in the fact that hmm. Marvel is very good at building up anticipation for the next movie, but it's almost the weak spot is the movie you're watching right now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just, I mean, I cannot stress this enough. That's just the history of comic books post-Crisis on Infinite Earth. <laughs> like once 
once people started the the once the 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 cycle of major events started this is all of comic book stuff just just build up to things that aren't as impressive like the minute they're done the spell breaks and you're like oh why did well i could have read like stories that were cool instead of this uh i actually uh, had I'm sorry. I had a little bit of that with Thor Ragnarok, actually, because here's the thing. I love Thor Ragnarok. I think it's a great time. But one of the things that the more time goes by and the more I look at that movie, the more I'm like, that movie didn't answer any of the questions I had or follow up on any of the plot lines that I cared about. It gave me something completely different, which I really enjoyed. But I really wanted Loki to be on the throne. I really wanted their like the fact that it was more of a comedy than sort of a high drama it was maybe perhaps a very good decision because it's a great movie on its own merits Mm. but there are some things about it that i'm like i didn't get the movie i wanted which was definitely a lot 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 more doctor strange and loki um i, I wanted more of that that was yeah just me. i i think you're 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 getting to the point now where your complaint is uh that it, it's not the fan fiction that you wrote in your head though it's, i mean there's a little bit of that but like stop <laughs> encouraging me to write fan fiction in my head then also uh the my biggest critique for ragnarok the biggest critique is like it didn't really follow up on a lot of the plot threads that had been laid out before. It just kind of sideswept them away, but in a way that was interesting. So like, I'll give it that. Hmm. Uh, the other thing is they really dropped the ball on some of the costuming in very weird ways. Right. Well, that goes Loki's in the- hair looks really bad. Probably because it was like, CGI. Really bad. But that's uh, weird because Tom Hiddleston's hair looked great in um, Avengers. I think well, he's just I- gotten more bald. <laughs> could be or just maybe they have more time or it could be the Russos have more understanding of how CGI stuff looks no, I mean on the screen. original Avengers from like 2012 oh, gotcha. I, uh, oh that's because that they did it differently then his hair actually is actually hair could I uh, could I start to pivot us away from this just being the Marvel complaints power yeah. hour though no um, uh, please do <laughs> well because here's the thing I'm different than you guys I'm actually yeah. more intrigued into the Marvel movies than I've ever been was since I've been in a very long time. Because I, I, I loved Black be... Widow. I was fascinated by Eternals. I haven't mm. seen Ching Chi yet, so I have no observation. But I'm like, I like this new direction simply because it's like, oh, weird shit. Okay, and this is what I guess this is what I, I wanted. I, absolutely, I absolutely want to be, but uh, like if I'm being honest, like I'm just tired from phase one and uh, or whatever it is, phase four. I whatever fucking thing the, <laughs> the end game ended on. I just I, I left that like it was a good time in the moment, but existentially tired. I think anyway, the marketing is what's killing it. Non non Marvel stuff though. Yeah. Uh speaking more back to just like the way pandemic stuff intersects with film is one of the things that that uh happened to me in twenty twenty is I started uh making moral choices about not caring about certain directors anymore. And I'm looking particularly at Christopher Nolan. Now, I have not seen Tenet, and I will probably never see Tenet. And this is coming from someone who loved Inception, who loved uh, Interstellar, but like, and, and is a sucker for time travel bullshit, especially if it's apparently incomprehensible. But he, like, I'm blaming him because he's someone who does have a lot of clout within Warner Brothers. Uh, I'm sure there's more going on than just him. But, like, he chose to push to have that that film in theaters. And, like, Warner Brothers did, and he didn't, like, he supported that choice. Right. And, like, I can't, I can't, I don't care about Christopher Nolan movies anymore. Like, he is, he's kind of creatively dead to me. As As somebody who, like, I feel like someone, if you have that much clout in, in like the, the, the catalog you've built up and the relationship with, with the studio that you work with and you choose to do that with it, it means something. Right. And it means that I can't support you ever again. Like <laughs> I, I don't care what he does from now on. And that's like, I don't know, like I, I like from Memento on up, like I, I like I, I've, I've kind of softened on his Batman movies, if I'm being honest, uh, except for... Yeah certain parts but like he's a person who's whose creative output i liked a lot and i will never pay for a ticket to see his movies again like it's i just can't on on the other end on my end the reason i haven't seen a lot of the movies even the ones that are being like okay we'll be in theaters and you can also see them in your home and you can buy them even at a reasonable price the reason i haven't been watching them isn't a moral choice Mm. i'm sad 
Yeah. <laughs> I am too sad to do anything. I am too dysfunctional. I don't consume anything that takes energy is a lot. And I can't, I don't get excited about things. I don't look forward to things. Even if I do, I have no sense of time of when things will be happening. So mm -hmm. even if I'm like, oh, okay, because like, if you want to be excited about a movie, you have to like sit with it, stew with it, turn it over, think about it, taste it. Like you have to hype yourself. And if there's no time if there's no meaning to time, then you don't know when it's coming out. And there's no, you aren't able to build anticipation because it's never when right. it would be like time has stopped existing. You know, it's, it's like if someone's like, Hey, you want to go on vacation? Like, we'll go to Disney vacation someday. You're like, well, I'm anticipating that someday. Like it doesn't mean anything. Right. And so like, that's how I feel is I can't be excited about movies and just the, the amount of effort it takes to block out two hours of my time that i don't stare blankly into the void to watch <laughs> a new movie and engage with it i i'm not sure i'm capable of it anymore well i think I, uh, oh, it, sorry again. no i think the pandemic has forced people who weren't as choosy of their entertainment to all mm -hmm. of a sudden realize oh this is my life and it is finite and so i could waste it doing this but do i really want to yeah and like, like i go oh, ahead sorry. Uh, no i was just gonna say like i have seen exactly one movie uh during the entire pandemic that was like simultaneous like theater and streaming release oh really uh, what movie uh can you guess if Honestly, i could no, i wouldn't because have i live with you and i don't even know what movie you're it talking is, about uh august 20 uh, august of 2020 bill and ted face the music oh, oh yeah <laughs> That is the only movie that I because I I have a, a weird like line that I don't like to cross where I don't like to digitally rent things. Okay. I if I'm going to pay for something digitally, I want to pay to have it forever. Right. Because I I find it very weird to pay almost the same price to watch something once. Because like going to a theater that makes sense to me. It's right. Experience. You're paying for the experience. yeah. I'm, I'm not paying for the movie. I'm paying for the movie at the theater. Right. Uh, and, and that that I'm, I'm fine with paying more for that. That That's perfectly like I want that space to be an option when the world is functional. Right. But like if I'm at home and it's like, hey, pay this amount. And then like when it's out uh, for permanent ownership, you can also like you can pay like maybe, I don't know, twice as much uh, to keep it forever <laughs> as to watch it once. <laughs> and I, I like my brain rebels against that. And it's it's because I'm intransigent about these things. I, I have shifted very little except for bill and ted face the music well yeah but that's just a special place like <laughs> dude, even during really lockdown good. i wasn't watching a lot of movies normally i would be but i was actually watching more television i was yeah. able emotionally and intellectually to engage with like deep the entire run of deep space nine and star trek the original series mm -hmm. those are but, good choices yeah and some other stuff too but like that was like i could do that no problem but like a movie just seemed overwhelming yeah which is odd because there's a lot of meat in deep space nine <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is a very, it's a pretty heavy series for like uh, and i love star trek not to say like for a star trek suit but like it's an order of magnitude heavier right so <laughs> it was really weird that i was like i'd watched duet seven times which is a basically a bottle episode well not it's not a bottle episode but it's basically an episode where like kira and a kardashian just argue about genocide and who's responsible yeah. <laughs> and yet i'm just like ah oh, fuck do i really want to watch a two-hour slow move it's like what <laughs> we actually uh got a housemate and watched the punisher she watched the punisher for the first time and loved it, which is great because I love it. And we immediately started to rewatch it again. I'm like, this is all I am capable of anymore <laughs> is watching the show I already loved. Oh, and um, I what? saw Bo Burnham's Inside, which how was that? That was good. Uh, oh, it was life excellent. destroying. I immediately bought the album and I listened to it again, staring into the void. Right. Have you guys seen Eighth Grade? Uh, I no. haven't. I okay. I'm kind of afraid to because it also sounds very heavy. <laughs> It isn't. It isn't. It's not. Mm. It's not heavy. Heavy. Uh, I don't know. It's been. I honestly, it's been long enough that I can't remember everything that happened. So I don't want to be like, it's not heavy. Oh shit! Totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I. That's on my list of things I need to get back to. But it, that's a very long list. 
Well, <laughs> you mentioned something about going to the movies that, and like, I think going to the movies now has become much more about the experience of going to the movies. Yeah. Because I've had a lot of issues with having to deny people entrance and like how, like, the way they're trying to like find all these loopholes. And I'm like, dude, just take the L and go home. It's just a movie. What are we, what are we arguing about here? Hmm. And I think it's like, the ability or the privilege to sit with other people and have some kind of communal experience, which I yeah. think is very necessary. Oh, absolutely. And I think is vital to art, but at the same time, it's like, it's not going to, it'll be here tomorrow or just go home and get it and come back. Like what? It's not my fault. You left your house with no form of ID. Who does that? <laughs> you don't have a credit card. Now, why are you out of your house? Uh, I, uh, yeah. I don't know if I'll ever go back to the movies. Really? Um I've always had trouble with movie theaters to be honest. Um I, I love the experience of watching a movie. I adore that. What I don't endure is I'm a little I've always been a little bit of a germaphobe. Ah, okay. Um in some ways so I've always been like you always get to the seat and there's always that one moment you're like did the person that sit in this chair before me have lice? Did they have bed bugs? Like, cause like the one spot where your head goes on a headrest always is a little manky from like the millions of people oil that's touched it. And you're right. always like, mm, I will try not to think too much about this. And you kind of have to justify it by like, okay, in my case, I'm fairly healthy. My immune system is decent. I might get a cold, but it's not like I'm going to get fucking Ebola. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. <laughs> but you know what you can get now? COVID. <laughs> and I just, I don't know if I will ever be able to go into a movie theater and sit there and really lose myself in the experience. And the other thing is when you, you know, drop back into your body in the, like, I, I mean, I completely lose myself in movies, but um, like, for example, I went back to work in the office and I saw one of my coworkers who two years, I worked with for a year and a half and I trained her and we were friends and it was so great to see her. And without thinking, because we're girls, we hugged each other. Right. That was not a good idea because it's a pandemic. Like, are we masked? Are we vaccinated? Yes, but it's still not a great thought. And then, like, right after that, I was immediately like, oh, this was not a bad choice. And then I had to, like, chew over that for the rest of the day. And I could easily imagine myself in the movie theater touching the headdress, touching the hands, like, touching stuff on it, and then sticking my hands in my popcorn and eating it. And then, like, five seconds later being, like, choices. Right. The choices we have made. And I, I don't. I don't know what kind of person I will be at. And the thing that I found again, the most about in my personal case, going back to work in the office is the complete awareness in an odd way for me now that I live in a, in a non-existent timeline that my life is not the life I was supposed to be living by any means at this point. And I don't think I could go to a theater and not just constantly live in the moment of pandemic. Right. I don't think I could lose myself in the movie anymore. I don't think the theaters will anytime soon ever truly be the same for me. Okay. Which maybe is dramatic. No, no, that's, I mean, I think what people, some people don't understand is the pandemic has an effect on everyone, including people who didn't get sick. Mm. Simply because like the psychological impact of being sequestered, even for a couple of months. And also just like everything that happened during the pandemic, which was more than just a virus. It was a neo-fascist takeover. It was... <laughs> and I think that impacts, like, how you make, like, we say risk calculus, but, like, you know, what do you want to do with your time? Do you want to go to the movies and obsess over this? Or not? That's fine. Why yeah, would like you? The, the weight of time is a lot more noticeable. I yeah. Think. <laughs> I, I also think that, um, you know, I said there's no sort of we're like in a liminal space right. and there's no sort of end to time. But when you do things like go to a movie and go out and interact with the world in these very concrete ways, it feels like suddenly the year and a half, almost two years of time hit all at once. Yeah. All at once. And so it's not that I've been slowly processing, you know, I mean, let's take a very low stakes thing. I got cats. I love my cats. Right. I've been wanting cats for years. This is a very positive thing. But like when I'm out and about and buying cat food, it suddenly hits me like I have reached this milestone in my life. In the past year and a half, not just including the national news events, I have bought a house and held a Zoom funeral. 
And I have to, when I sit in the theater, I have to remember that the last time I did this was getting a call that somebody has had died and I have buried two people since then. One of whom's grave I have never been able to, I've never been at. And right. so it's like all of that has to be processed immediately in that moment because there hasn't been any sense of time passing since it happened. Does that make sense or is that insane? No, that makes sense. Because what you're talking about is the psychological necessity to debrief, to decompress, to, you know. Yeah, but, but we're always living in the fucking cube, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's impossible. It's impossible to be like... To talk to him and be like, hey, remember that fight we had three months ago? And you're like, that was yesterday century. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, no, time is weird because, like, the amount of people who come into the theater, like, well, how long have you guys been open? And I'm like, three or four months. And at mm-hmm. once, I'm like, that feels like yesterday. At the same time, I'm like, man, it feels like we've been open like a year and a half. Okay, first of yeah. all, you're missing a perfect opportunity to look them dead in the eye and say, we've always been here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I would have to deal with people coming in with a giant whole ass pizza and two <sighs> large drinks. And like, I'm just going in to meet my husband and son in Theater 6. And I'm like, you can't bring that in here. And they're like, since when? And I'm like, since what? always, what is this? <laughs> like, I think we have all forgotten basic human skills. I'm surprised more people aren't wandering around like buck ass naked, just letting... Um... Well, I've told I'm, you, I'm, the I'm, amount of people who leave the house with no ID or credit card, oh. I'm like, I wonder if this is just a holdover from the pandemic of I'm just going to the store, I won't need this or whatever. Because mm. I'm just like, how do you leave and not have, you know, the basic essentials? Well, I mean, the other question to that is like, oh, I don't have any form of ID. It's like, oh, and I don't have any form of payment. It's like, then how did you think you were going to pay for the movie? Like, Well, they already have the ticket. Most of them like either buy the ticket online or they have Apple uh... Pay of some kind. Which they we don't do Apple Pay, so they were going to be in full rude awakening. But <laughs> I, uh, I do find actually no. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say I, I give, I, I say critical support to the person trying to BS their way inside with a full pizza. Like that's, that is, that is someone attempting to live their best life. Like they took the swing, it didn't work. But well, know, she was like, "Well, this is awkward." I'm like, "Not for me. I think this is fucking hilarious." Like, <laughs> did you honestly think you were just gonna steamroll in here? <laughs> Because she was like, I just need to go, go in and give this to my uh, husband and Don. I'm like, well, they need to have lunch. I'm like, well, you probably should have planned for that. <laughs> I don't. Did you realize they were going to let you disrupt and move? Like, lady, we already let people win with the cell phones. I don't know what you think. I don't know what world you think you're living in. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I have once snuck an entire bucket of chicken into a movie theater, but that took planning. Look, I have no problem with you sneaking <laughs> food in. It's trying to walk in with right. a bare face to the world. I was like, talking that's... to one of my ex-managers, and we traded. A, I showed him a photo of a guy who snuck in a whole sweet potato pie. Ooh! And me and him were like, you know what? Credit to that guy because that pie looks like undamaged. It's like so. Either a the usher just gave no fucks, hmm. or b he snuck that in and managed to do so without like cracking the pie. I'm like, you know what? More pops to him as long as it doesn't make a mess. <laughs> right. Like yeah, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna do sketchy stuff, at the very least, remember that the people who work there still have to work there. So you know. <laughs> well, yesterday I stopped like a large family which had like seven bags from the cheesecake factory, <laughs> and I was like, you can't bring that in. It's like, well, I'm like, you can take it back to your car and throw it away, but we're not gonna like hold it. We can't be responsible. Mm-hmm. And they put it in a stroller and just left it in the corner behind one of the signs. Like we'll be back for that. <sighs> And when I left at eleven fifteen, they had not been back for the stroller full of cheesecake factory leftovers, and I'm just like, for neither the stroller nor the food. No, I'm just like, we're not responsible for this. But Jesus, what? Like what? Wow. <laughs> I don't think I have anything other than wow. Yeah, no, me and like the manager came up, and he's like, they never came back. I'm like, nope. It's like not our responsibility. I'm like, I love that this is our mantra. <laughs> somebody else's problem <laughs> i call it that that attitude of where you look over like man 
seems bad. <laughs> no, that was, that's straight up, I think, from one of the later Hitchhiker's Guide novels. That was the thing that Douglas Adams came up with is a form of invisibility is the somebody else's problem field. <laughs> like, it's not my problem, therefore I can't see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I have noticed that. I think this is just from, like, being broken so many times over the last two years. Yeah. Of just, like, something happened and, like, old me would be like, oh, no. Now I'm just like, <laughs> ah, glad I don't deal with that and move on. Yeah, like there, there's very much more. No, like, yeah, God, that's, that sucks for somebody, but it's not me today. Not me today, <laughs> Satan. And you just walk away. Like, <laughs> it is the it is uh, one of my favorite Twitter posts is from the share zone, and it's you can just leave. Yeah. <laughs> um. But getting back to time as an issue, mm. I think also it's because movies themselves play with time. Mm. And if you're already having issues with trying to figure out, like, feeling like time is slipping by or moving too slow or too fast, the movie is going to try to manipulate you into feeling that more time has passed or less time has passed. And it might just be like there's something in you that you, like, you object to that. Mm-hmm. simply because so much has already happened that's already been done to you that someone else doing it on purpose feels almost like an offense I mean are we talking about that thing where when you walk out of the movies you went to the movies at 9 and you walk out at like you know 11.15 and it's sunny <laughs> outside and you're like why like you walk out of the movies in the dark everyone knows this right. and it's like, I know I went to the movies at 9am like why if I walked out and it was dark that would actually be more upsetting like <laughs> Go shit, the Mayans called it, like. <laughs> Blasted. But... Um, so, pivoting yet again, there's something that I would like to, to hear your take on, uh, Jeremiah. Okay. And that is, Netflix's claim that Red Notice is some kind of huge uh, movie success. This movie oh. that I didn't hear of and, uh, at all until people started claiming that it was like a, a huge monetary success somehow. All right. So the issue with Netflix is <laughs> we have no idea if any of this is true because they've never really know, released right? the numbers. Like... But, but the same can also be said of most of the box office. Oh, content yeah. Because the way studios do math is movies can make money and still like the studios like, ah, fuck, we lost some. Yeah. Because the way Hollywood does this accounting is <laughs> they should be in jail. But <laughs> it's one of the things where, like, at the same time, I'm like, well, of course, because it's getting to the point now where we all, we do live in a post-truth society, whether we like it or not. And you really can't just string words together <laughs> and be like, this is the most downloaded movie ever in the history well, like, of ever. Like, well, how like, do we even objectively quantify that? <laughs> Post-truth became a, a, a descriptor in politics, but we've been post-truth I- in terms of economics longer than any of us have been alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's one of the things I sort of shrug because A, the movie wasn't that good. It wasn't that bad, but it was also like the amount I mean, of people I, I, who I, really I, love Ghostbusters. I'm just like, I don't understand what you guys are even looking at anymore. <laughs> Like, I used to be able to, like, I can see that, but now it's, like, getting to the point, I'm like, what are you even watching? <laughs> wait, wait, what Ghostbusters are we talking about here? The new one, Afterlife. Okay, because I thought we were talking about the original one, and I'm like, dude, like... <laughs> uh, I don't, it's just, I don't know, I, I, there have been so many stories recently about this or that, like, primarily streamed movie being a, a success, and it just, like, it's... It's like being trapped in a hall of mirrors since already box office success is is reliant entirely on self-reported industry numbers. Well, I, I think I think what it is is the digital attempt to equate itself with the physical. Yeah. Because people really get into box office talk. So they did before like the pandemic. Is, if this is the way things are now, we have to be able to traditionally define success. Right. Like... Um, not only that, especially when it's a straight a digital movie starring three of the biggest stars of the day yeah there has to be some kind of way to measure success to demonstrate success real or not because it's a thing of like if you notice the amount of box office talk has died down considerably since Mm. theaters quote-unquote opened back up simply because eh, 
Eternals is the fourth highest grossing movie of the year, and yet if you were to go by what you hear online or in the movie news, it flopped. Yeah. It did. It got a rotten score at 68%, which is... I don't mess I mean, the fact that people take uh, review aggregator scores, like the what, not to say there's nothing interesting to be gleaned from review aggregator scores, but what is interesting about it is not in any way related to like any kind of artistic merit or truth. Right. And uh, every time anyone mentions anything about a review aggregator score, I explode. Right. Well, it's also like um, there was a guy online who's a critic, and he did a screen cap of that. And he put it with three pictures of the crumbling of the Berlin, Berlin Wall oh, and said, we did it. And I was like, but this seems like a... <laughs> oh, that's that's just did like Gamergate has never gone away type stuff. I like, was like, A, who's we? B, this is not the same thing. <laughs> oh, that's... Like, oh, I get you trying to so be sarcastic, sad. but shut up. <laughs> I mean, oh. Sorry, that 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 that's an intersection of so many dumb things about our broken world. Of like the idea that like spamming negative reviews on something is it it exists in that same sphere as like QAnon people who refer to themselves as digital soldiers. Like it's <laughs> it's a level of imaginary like import that also affects the world in profoundly negative ways but... it's just so sad <laughs> oh i don't know it's it, you know i just feel like everything in movies is just like hey you remember that part where you live in the darkest timeline <laughs> isn't that like i i have had a thing where i've watched movies that i've seen before that i know fairly well and there are various points Comfort where i'm movies. like why aren't they wearing masks yeah. Why are they touching each other? Like, don't like. There sometimes they're like, don't, don't touch that and put it in your mouth. Like, honestly, yeah. I didn't really have that issue until I was watching Ghostbusters Afterlife, because mm. I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, wait, when is this taking place? Yeah, yeah. and like, and it's weird because none of this is real, so I shouldn't matter because I didn't think about it doing Eternals because it's a fucking comic book movie. Well, yeah, because there was no there was no coronavirus in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? And so, like, I don't know, like, and I was even able to, like, when I watched Minari and stuff like that, like, it never really occurred to me. But for yeah. some reason, Ghostbusters Afterlife, that's when I was like, huh, and, like, it didn't like affect my viewing of the movie. I was too busy being bored, but I just <laughs> there was like, that weird sort of like cognitive dissonance of like that feels a little bit weird. Yeah. And, like, while at the I same mean, time, I don't want people to be wearing masks in movies because, good God, that's going to get fucking exhausting real quick. <laughs> oh, come on. Like, uh, everybody can start wearing Kamen Rider helmets. It'll be great. See, wearing masks and Kamen Rider helmets are two different things. <laughs> oh, I guess you're right. It actually reminds me a little bit about how I felt about 9-11, which was two things of, like, how are movies and television ever going to deal with this? And, like, this weird anger when they're, like, we're going to pretend this never happened when, like, this really did happen. But also, anytime they tried to make a movie or a TV show about it or they explicitly referenced it, it like, my soul cringed. I'm like, oh, God, stop. Well, like, I don't, I don't know how we're going to sort of do this like i think it's going to be a lot like 9-11 where we're just sort of not going to talk about it until like we have enough distance that we can talk about it but only in ways that are like quietly racist somehow <laughs> well someone i think it was matt Zolestice brought up a point that like a lot of movies seem to be about trauma and grief mainly because that's what all it deals with yeah, yeah. I, all, trauma and grief are not generation or situational specific this is something everyone goes through to some degree or another. So that's why mm -hmm. this seems like the the lineup where it deals with trauma and grief, well, most art does. So that can't be like the only thing it has going for it. But also like um, Robert Altman's MASH, that's a commentary on the Vietnam War, but it's not about the Vietnam War. It's about the Korean War. Korean War. Yeah. So that's how he gets away with it. Like I think nowadays we don't like – there's a literalness in how we view things that I think is hindering our possibility to explore things, if that makes any sense. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, MASH was hugely popular. Yeah. Like, that was... And also, just the fact that we don't have network TV at, at like, the one of the major cultural cores anymore right. uh, is also affects the ability of that to work. Because, I mean, I think the last... 
it, it like that that's the one of those things about sort of the golden age of television stuff is a lot of that was i think in many ways the last chance for that to happen right in the same way and i say that as someone who has not watched breaking bad or game of thrones right uh, like i i just didn't and uh, now i definitely won't ever watch game of thrones i might come back around to watch uh breaking bad eventually but also it sounds like it would depress me too much right well um, not only that but like I'm i've never seen breaking bad but i know basically everything about it because yeah, 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 yeah. Never shut absorbed, up about breaking bad yeah i've absorbed a lot of it just from cultural osmosis which happens a lot with things people won't shut up about but uh but yeah like it's it, and, and yeah like the fact that I don't know that that in, increasing shallowness of what is shared, and even the, the the shrinking of the space of what like quote unquote everybody is watching or talking about. Right. Uh, I don't know. It affect. Uh, I'm not sure how it affects these conversations, but it it does something. Well, I can see that. Well, yeah. Well, I think like the water cooler moments are rare and rare simply because, and I think part of that's what made the MCU weird and special. Yeah, because it was a thing that had a draw enough that people could talk. And, like, of course, we have the darkest version of that as well, since uh, people will never stop talking about it and also never stop talking about the fact that, like, Brie Larson is a, a war criminal because of, <laughs> like, being Captain Marvel wrong or something. Right. Uh, <laughs> or even playing Captain Marvel, depending on what side you're on. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, yeah, no, I think that is... Like the amount we've gotten to the point now, like we'll even references like we just say the name of the thing, like that's a reference. I'm like, yes, but you don't have to know everything. <laughs> it's okay not to get every joke. It's okay not to get every reference. It's okay to watch yeah. a movie and not even realize that it was an homage or something. Yeah, I think more. I mean, more, I, like, I mean, look at look at uh, Airplane. That was referencing all sorts of things directly, but that that I didn't know about until I was deeply an adult. But right. it was always funny. What were you saying, Kira? The, but like the, the Marvel movies, like do you remember? Do you remember the ancient days? You're like, oh, if you pause right here, look, there's Captain America's shield hidden yeah. in the background. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you remember when eggs were actually Easter eggs? When the world building, like the reason they were all interconnected and stuff, was like semi subtle. When you had, when you were like Google, right? When like, it almost oh, seems like an animation mistake. <laughs> yeah, or, or just or inserted in the background by like a passionate dork. Right. Yeah. Like, like, and that wasn't that long ago, but it's like, oh, like, you, and people are like, oh, how do you make the Marvel Universe? I'm like, they made the Marvel Universe with 60 second trailer bumps at the end of the movies. Yeah. Like, that's how they did it. That's how you do it, is subtlety, and apparently they have forgotten that. And now everything is, is like, designed by committee to go nerd viral. Well, and also, like, I'm going to tell you this. I don't stick around for the trailer, uh, for the uh, post-trailers, because I don't care. Because I've seen the movie, and when the next one comes out, if I have to review it, I'll review it. But I'm not, like... <laughs> Look, the, 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 the movie that got me to always stick around to the end of the credits is the greatest unfulfilled promise of all time, which is uh, Masters of the Universe. After the credits, <laughs> Skeletor pops back up out of the like the water that he fell into and was like, I'll be back. Oh. Still holding out for Frank Langella Skeletor coming back. For those of you at home who don't know anything about canon films, I, I urge you to check out the catalog. It is an immensely I, rewarding experience. Okay, Kara, I, I, I tricked Kara at some point into watching he, Masters he of did. the Universe. And what like it's it's a fun movie, right? It's a good time. Yeah. Well, it also goes back to like we've talked about this before. In the old days, they would lure you into the theater by promising this is a movie based on something you know, and then yeah. the movie will be like nothing connected <laughs> to what you know. <laughs> uh... Like I had a guy at Woodgate today come up to me and say, like, "Hey, I don't know if you've seen this, but I saw this on thirty-five millimeter at the New Bev. It's called the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie." But <laughs> oh, <laughs> just oh. like. I saw that opening weekend, you fuck. It's amazing, the, isn't it? I mean, the greatest movie about Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but I was like, the way he was going on, I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be this fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm glad that we're in the point in my life where this is a class. <laughs> <laughs> I Oh, man, I love the idea of people rediscovering the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. It is, it is good as hell. Like, that movie it's rules. great movie. So, oh, Daddy, we should watch that. Yeah, we should. I'll pull it out. I'm sure I have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, it's one of the things. Where I was like, you know what? Um, I, I, I said this 
for a while. It's like I'd rather watch the Super Mario Brothers movie that's like the Super Mario Brothers movie we got oh. than some kind of faithful adaptation because I can't I mean, imagine anything by... being as bonkers and bizarre. <laughs> you mean the one made by the people who gave us Max Headroom? Yes. Like a thing too good for this world? <laughs> yes. See, I saw the Super Mario Brothers movie in theaters and I was not unhappy. <laughs> Tangent. It also has had something of a resurgence. I know that, like, Cody Johnson, like, talked it up in their, like, some more news movie on YouTube. And uh, I'm glad that other people like that movie because well, yeah. it's always been fun. Well, no, the, uh, the podcast I told you about, Franchiseography, they did an episode about Super Mario Brothers as, like, you know, potential. And it's, like, it's fascinating. It's And instead, now we have, like, what's his ass, uh, Chris... Pratt. Uh, Pratt. Yeah, Chris Pratt as himself the playing Mario. I think also... With that, it's like, no one really cares that much, but it's the fact that Chris Pratt, who's okay in the Lego movie, it's like, but he's nothing special. It's like the most boring-ass regular... <laughs> may, I, may, I put, may I put forward something about Chris Pratt in the Lego movie? Okay. Chris Pratt in the Lego movie is like the comedy version of what people claim Keanu Reeves is in The Matrix, <laughs> except the fact that Keanu Reeves in The Matrix absolutely rules. We watched it again, like, last week. He's and, amazing. like, has very clear personality and, and absolutely owns. Whereas, like, Chris Pratt is generic comedy Chris Pratt, like, protagonist doofus guy. Like, project yourself onto this white man, presumed white man audience. Right. <laughs> like, Ugh, it's, it's I, I still hold to the theory that, like, Chris Pratt was signed on to a bunch of things after he, like, broke big in the Guardians movies and stuff, but then, like, because of scheduling COVID, right. with Marvel and then the pandemic, like, only now are things coming to fruition after, like, the culture has kind of stopped caring or, if you're paying attention, are actively against Chris Pratt. Well, like, the Garfield thing, I almost didn't believe. I thought it was a joke. Yeah, and I don't even care that much about Garfield. Like, I love Garfield, no. but like the new Garfield movie, I'm like, I could care less. I'm just like, more like, look, I don't care less even more. <laughs> yeah, like I, the only time I've ever cared about Garfield was like the Lorenzo music like voiced cartoon show that I would see on, sometimes on TV as a child. Right. Like, I didn't seek it out; it was just there and fine because Lorenzo music it was charming as hell. He's great, and also you know, Garfield and Friends was amazing. Yeah, because he had friends. <laughs> Another aspect of like Mario movie or whatever is just as a particular example, I've started following this incredibly bizarre TikTok account that all they do is this uh, dramatic retelling of like the story of Mario in which Peach and Bowser are dating and King Boo is Bowser's brother that Peach has violently murdered to take the throne. (laughs) (laughs) And every time you tell me about this, I've always cracked up by it. This is amazing. it's amazing. Like I got really into it. Like I like, can't, I can't follow TikTok, but I'm super glad that things like this happen there. Oh, what? there's there's a huge subplot with like Bowser then becoming like fleeing the kingdom, accused of his brother's murder, and becoming king of the Koopas, and like Queen Peach <laughs> ruling with an iron fist, while a psychotic Mario shows up to try and murder Bowser, and then like Toadette is her personal maid who's like in love with her and like sings sad songs about how much she loves Peach. <laughs> and there is no movie that you could make about Mario that would give me a tenth of the like investment yeah like this is what this is the culture like this the like using the the like masters of the universe and and mario examples like this is sort of what we lost when the nerds won right and the world turned into like no if you do a license you're gonna stick to the goddamn canon of that license right like i miss the days of like oh this is is uh what is this a barbie doll movie like i'm kind of excited for the barbie doll movie because greta gerwig and noah bombach yeah, that's fair. Right, but at the same time, movie? I'm like, you know what? In the old days, it'd probably be something like Mannequin. <laughs> uh, and you know what? If it is something like Mannequin, awesome. If it's not, eh. Yeah, this is why like I I cannot be excited anytime someone reminds me that there's still technically a Metal Gear Solid movie in development because it's like <laughs> it'll never be like it it won't do any of the weird stuff that I would want done with that. It'll just try to make it'll it'll fail to synthesize what like the 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 text the surface level 
action of those games are into a movie, which would be intensely boring. Well, uh, I've said this <laughs> and before. And it won't be as gay as those games are, because those games are yeah, fantastically gay. That's that's pretty true, yes. One I of the things them. that like we lost when, like, this notion that adaptations must be faithful to the source material, it's like, no, mm. they just have to be good. I don't... <laughs> the other thing's still gonna be there, so you can just go there. And, like, yeah, you don't well, have to be a fan of something to pull it off, because... And it's like... Well, I I'm... think that's partially a reaction to, to sort of people not caring and also being angry but being condescended to. Right. Because it is, if you really love a source material, if you really love a book or a movie, and they're like, we're going to make a movie out of it, and you're super excited, and, like, the core theme of the book is, like, you know, I don't know, um, trauma can be overcome. And then they make a movie, and the movie is like, what if we take all of the lessons and the mythos and the things that mattered about the book, gut it, have something very superficially related, and then make it condescending because no one liked your stupid, ugly book anyway, and we're going to make it about friendship for some unknown reason. Are you like, talking I, about something in particular? I, just, yeah, I think I know what she's talking about. And it's like, okay. All right. I, I don't know. I, I have very little, like, I mean, obviously at this point I have no sympathy for like nerd anger at all, generally, <laughs> unless it's, unless it's very finely honed and about something that is like demonstrable, mainly because like, as you two are aware, like what are the, if we're, if we're talking about like brand affection, what are the two things that I have loved longer than basically anything else in my life? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. And He-Man. And He-Man. Um, I, I do like, what? I think it was adorable that Kara was like, Kara. Yeah, yeah, good swing, good swing. <laughs> but, uh, and what are I possibly, know I possibly bar none, the worst, most entitled, and obviously not everyone who loves them, but like in terms of public, di like making a scene in public on the internet. The worst, <laughs> entitled, awful nerd people who want like to be bottle fed, like, ugh, it's... Like Rick a, and Morty I, and Star Wars. Did I win? No, you lose. Oh. I know. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a better swing than the Kara thing. <laughs> I mean, Rick and Morty's too new to really matter that much. Like, I I've not watched any past the first couple of seasons, so I've I've basically detached from that. Star Wars. I mean, oof. But like, yeah, like I don't know. Like, I I I just want to have like cool things made, and they don't have to be like the thing always was. But now I can't even like talk. I, I I'm afraid to try and find people to talk about things that I like with that I don't already know because they might just be monsters. <laughs> yeah, they might be like, well, I also like Ghostbusters, and that's why I've become a fascist because don't you know that women are sucking our vital energies just like General Ripper warned us they were. <laughs> like what the. You I know, will say, I on, think... On the other end of that, as, I'm sorry, as somebody who loved Harry Potter, it's really painful <laughs> to have <laughs> it not painful. come from the fans, yeah. but from the creator to be like, you know what would be awesome? If I were a piece of shit. And I'm like, no, that's not what at I wanted least, at all. You know what would be awesome? Character. If we do Crimes of Grindelwald. No, no, that wouldn't be awesome. No, no. How about just not. Crimes of uh, J.K. Rowling? Is that uh, <laughs> Well, I think also what well, we've talked a little bit about in a fandom, it's like the, uh, the the almost fascism in fandom. Yeah. But also, like, you've seen that study, like, only 20 26% of the people are actually online. Yeah. But the during, the pan during the lockdown, a lot of those people were online a lot. Yeah. And that oh, bubble. I am not one of those people. That was so weird. Why would you be online so much? <laughs> Crazy. I wasn't retweeted by a fascist today. That's fine. Will you? Yeah. yeah. Really? We'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, like the way, like it does like begin to warp your view of what other people are thinking. Hmm. Yes, I would say that's true. And so all of a sudden you start thinking other people are online as much as you are. When honestly, as much as my my younger coworkers do TikTok, I don't think the online like and Twitter like I use it. That's no, good. that's that's hopeful. Well, I I don't think they see. To some extent, I wonder if some, but not all of the younger people. I think most younger people the Utes. have the Utes <laughs> have social media, but they don't use it the way we use it because they view social media as more like television. 
which is to say a passive consumption that you share face to face with people. Well, so they view, I think they view TikTok more like I viewed watching scrubs and I would talk to my friends or like tell them about my favorite episodes, stuff like that, or even like YouTube videos. Right. But they don't view it as something that's interactive the way well, social media is. And even then, like um, I was talking to one of the guys, it's like um, they don't exchange phone numbers. They exchange Instagram accounts. Because mm-hmm. phone numbers feel too personal. Yeah, phone numbers are real intimate. And yeah, I'm don't like, ever call me. You know what? I actually, <laughs> I understand that. That makes kind of yeah. a sense because Instagram is sort of like, this is a thing you're putting forward, like your best foot. So you mm-hmm. would exchange that. And then if you guys hit it off there, then of course, then you would go. Because giving your phone number, Jesus, why did we ever do that? Why did, <laughs> right? Like, why was the notion of me asking a girl for a number? Like, it was a terrifying thing because I am asking for a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah you, you give that to the wrong person and you are just destroyed i am 35 years old right and mm-hmm. the only people who are allowed to call me without texting like the only people are my immediate family members who are over 50 and if there is an emergency of some kind yeah like when you uh don't fill <laughs> the toilet paper and i have to call you from the upstairs bathroom <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's the perfect note to end this episode on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have. Say goodbye, thank yeah. yeah, this is the goodbye, state of the world. Bye. <laughs> Pandemic. Uh...